0: Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Commonly Uncommon Podcast. My name is Trent Hogg, and I will be your host for the next 45 minutes or so. I appreciate you tuning in, and I hope everyone is having a fantastic week. My guest today is Vinny Parisi. He hails from Palm Harbor, Florida, and is married to a wonderful lady from Australia. Her name is Christy, and together they own a local cafe called Kane's Cafe, which has been open for about two or three months now. In his spare time, Vinny is an educator in the Pinellas County School District, so when he's not selling these fantastic Aussie pies, sausage rolls, and donuts, he's dealing with the youth of the public education system. Fun times. Before getting an education, he was a world traveler and ended up in Italy playing baseball, and this is where I will welcome him to the show. Vinny, it is a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for joining me. So how in the world did you end up in Italy playing baseball
1: Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, Trent, uh, that's a great question. Um, So after college, I grew up here in Pinellas County, Uh, went to Countryside High School, and then I went and furthered my career as a collegiate athlete, HCC, Hillsborough Community College in Tampa, and then transferred to USF. And uh, while I was finishing my degree at USF, I found out about the Australian Baseball League while I was coaching back at Hillsborough Community College. And I still had passion to play and uh, love for the game. And a little bit of talent left. And I um, had a kid that came out and was just kind of throwing a bullpen. And he said that he's going to go and play in the Italian Baseball League. And I'm like, Italians play baseball? And then I'm like, he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm Italian. He's like, you should go. They, they need catchers. And I was You're like, Italian. So be- I'm like an eighth Italian. I'm gonna be honest with you. My grandfather was 100% Italian. Even though to the day he died, he said he was an Albanian. He's from Albania, and and then and then, uh, and then so he's 100% Sicilian. He came over and then married a woman, my grandmother, who was zero Italian. So that made my dad half Italian. And then my dad married uh, a woman that was zero Italian. So that makes me oh wait I'm a quarter Italian. So I got that going for me. Nice. But 100% when you say the word Parisi, see, now you could be 100% Italian, but if your last name is Walter or something, nah, no one's going to believe you. Have
0: you ever met a guy with a, with the a last name Walter?
1: I actually have I mean? a work partner who claims to be Italian. His mom's. Uh, he actually claims to be more Italian than I am, and he probably is, but with the last name Walter, no one will believe him.
0: I, I would, true. It's, it's I played true. I played
1: with an Olenberger. In the Olympics, Casey Olenberger. That's as Italian as it comes. Right? <laughs> it's not exactly an Anthony Massamino. Give a shout out to my boy Mass out there. Now that's Italian.
0: So what what years did you are we talking here?
1: So, uh graduated USF in 01 and I was uh shipped off to Parma, Italy in 02. Where is that? Where's Parma? So that's uh, two hours south uh, of Milan. So it's uh, okay. northwest Milan. Yep, two hours south. And then uh, that's where, like, Parmesan cheese comes from. That's where prosciutto is, is prosciutto. out of. There's a Barilla factory. So when you go and get some spaghetti in the, in the uh, grocery store, you'll see Barilla. That's where the Barilla factory is. And actually, there's a big major smart car factory there, too. But uh, it's a, it's a unbelievable. It was like one of the nicest. In the 90s, it was like voted the nicest city in, in Italy. And uh, they had a big baseball following. And, uh, yeah, it was amazing. I played with amazing players that were legends in Italy, catching the back end of their career. So it was really an honor to play in Parma for two years.
0: And while you were over there, you also got your Italian citizenship.
1: No, yeah. I got my Italian citizenship before I went over there. Before so it was before off. 9-11. Yeah. Pops applied. He basically found out that uh, that my great-grandfather died before he became an American citizen. Oh, right. So when that happened, my grandfather automatically had Italian citizenship. My dad, my mom, my sisters, my brother, and myself. No doubt. Just like that. And then after 9-11, spent a little bit more... More difficult for, for people to get it, but they're still, you know, jumping so through hoops. So
0: all comes from a family thing.
1: That's yep. A you can thing. trace you your ancestors you back.
0: Your... Wow, man. That's yeah. pretty cool, dude. So, yeah, it was an
1: honor. I mean, it was, you know, to be able to hold two passports and play for, you know, a country that, you know, your ancestors grew up in and, you know, Italian Italians have a lot of pride. Right. And uh, to be, you know, born in America, but to be able to trace my roots back to Italy and to you know, play for a country and, and be able to, you know, be embraced by that culture and, you know, treat it as one of their own. It was it was really an Growing honor. Growing
0: up, did you ever go over there to Never you? grew
1: up over you know, we always ask Grandpa, why don't you want to go over there? And he's like, If my ancestor if my ancestors left there, why would I want to go back? They must have left for a reason. Right. So he had no desire, my dad had no desire and then I ended up uh, getting my citizenship and before you know it, you know, they all came over to watch me play ball and and then uh, the goal was you know once you I signed a professional contract over there the goal was to be an all star in the league and by being an all- star you're rewarded to be on the national team and that's where you know I set the vision to become an Olympian
0: I want to get to the Olympian part too, but did you get a chance to travel like where when you were in Italy I mean was that just did you play the communities around there or did you go out country how does that all work?
1: So, with the national team, it's kind of selected um, based on, you know, obviously talent level. So, my first year, being that I was fresh out of college, there was a first university games down in Messina. So, they took 40 of us, uh, basically 20 of the national team guys and 20 of the college national team guys, and we went down to Messina and played each other. That was selected based on... Um, you know, your talent level, a lot of politics, you know, a lot of the reason I signed with Parma, they, you know, our second baseman was the vice president of the league, our number two pitcher and our starting second baseman. So like that was a huge thing knowing that I had pole being in it in in the in there. So if I was halfway decent, I was already playing with the guy that was going to be making a lot of the decisions. And then, um, and then from there, you know, it was time to show out. And uh, and from there, I was selected to the college national team. And we played two weeks down in Messina against some of the best, you know, player, you know college players in the nation, current big leaguers. Uh, Dustin Pedroia was on that team, Matt Garko, Ricky Weeks, uh, Aaron Hill. Um, the list goes on and on. There was like fifteen first rounders that, that, that year on that team as well as, you know, the Cuban national team is always the team that's the international team to beat and of course they won in the finals versus USA.
0: Right, right, yeah. And what position did you play?
1: So I was a catcher, grew up catching um Dunedin, grew up in Dunedin little league. Um, kinda infamous for the catcher's balk. One game from the Little League World Series, Denise America, nineteen eighty nine. We were gonna walk the bases loaded. If they score, they win versus Alabama down here in Gulfport. I intentionally walked up the, the the runner to load the bases. They called a balk on the second pitch and and then the curtains came falling. And it was that was a, a life lesson. Um that life's not fair and neither is the game of baseball. So it was at an early age that you learned that and uh and you know it's not whether you fall, you, whether you get back up. And I was really honored to be, um, you know, one of the last guys to continue to be able to play the game of baseball from that team, being that most people would have quit or, you know, just thrown in the towel.
0: So what was your decision-making process to to actually go and travel the world, like that? or at least to, to wind up in Italy, and then obviously you went to Australia and everything else, like you said earlier. But, what, I mean, what's the decision-making process for that? I mean, you're leaving the United States where I'm assuming you would – you know you're comfortable and you're home and then to go over there
1: well uh, my senior year so i went to usf i walked on my junior year i loved tampa i didn't have any scholarships wasn't the greatest student and i told uh, you know eddie Cartieri at the time at usf that i'm going to come here and i'm going to beat out your catchers and that junior year I, my red shirt junior year I, I i did and then uh and then my senior year i came back to return and uh I ended up getting released out of fall for one reason or another. He said it was title 9, but it was really just over recruiting and other guys that were on scholarship made the grade. So when one door closes, another door opens. At that point my life was pretty much going to you know ending cuz you know you're playing baseball your entire life and now you you're 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 done. You're basically done and then you realize, "Holy cow, you know, if you still have passion and vision and work ethic to, to do something, you know, doors tend to open up. And if it wasn't for that, I don't think I've ever thanked Eddie Cartieri. So if you're out there, run into a ton of people that know Eddie. Um, he's a Pinellas County guy, too. And he's been coach. he coached for 16 years with USF. Plus. And um, at the time, you're bitter, you know, you're bitter because, you know, the way it went down. But now as a coach, you, you know, it's kind of funny because I've had the same issues with other players that I had to cut different circumstances but you know as a coach it's never an easy decision and um as a player you know you just gotta if you if you truly believe that uh that you you know you have the skills you just keep working at it and you don't stop playing until someone takes the jersey off and tells you, you can't play anymore and that's basically what happened
0: but sports have changed so much over the years since you and i played you know, I was I was big in a golf. I played soccer, basketball, all those kinds of things. And some, I mean, some of the you know high school and college, you know, it's cutthroat and everything else. But you know, the the, the little kids coming up, and you hear the whole phrase of everybody gets a trophy and everything else. You know, that's just I don't know. I just, I've never when we lost in any kind of team sport that I played, we just lost, man. You just learned how to lose, you know. And I think that's a that's a very valuable life lesson. Um, well, especially when you get out in the world, you get into school and, you know, in the, the educational realm that you and I have been in, I mean, you fall on your ass, man, you know, and, and, and it's the learning, like you said a minute ago, it's the getting back up. If you don't learn how to get back up and keep fighting, well, what are you doing?
1: Yeah, like I said, I'm fortunate to be able to learn uh, a lot of life's toughest lessons through the game of baseball. Um, you know, I didn't have a dad that you know could pull and get me drafted or get me in this scholarship or that scholarship. Um, he definitely helped me out, you know, in other ways. Definitely helped me with my citizenship. Definitely helped me, you know, making sure like you know I he worked with me growing up. Um, fortunately for me, I was surrounded by such talented players pinellas county in the 90s sarasota in the 90s i mean we still have talent here but the plethora of talent back then you know i wasn't the biggest guy but i was surrounded by just unbelievable athletes and it was sink or swim whereas this day and age i think those unbelievable athletes are a lot more fewer and far between so the development's not there on a grander scale and so um you know when you're comparing your talent to the people around you you might think you're a lot better than you are because you know you're the big fish in the small pond whereas you know there was a lot of big fish in in the pond around here and so guys like me you were going to either sink or swim real quick so you adapted real quick and so I'm very fortunate for the fact that I was able to play against such high caliber players at a young age and I definitely attribute my later success because of that so
0: now i want to get into the the olympics and the world cup aspect of when you did that what led up to you getting into the olympics
1: um so from the college national team i had a great year i ended up getting traded uh i didn't really get much of an opportunity i was sent behind a former big leaguer sean mulligan if anyone's ever played with that guy um i mean he was a hell of a ball player. He ended up playing with the 96 San Diego Padres. He was like the bullpen catcher, but the kid was a stud. And then he ended up getting released for some reason, not because of his talent, but because of something else. And then uh, and then they picked up a guy by the name of Gavin Evanson, and uh, he was a hell of a ball player as well, former. I think he was Olympian as well with Australia. And so I sat behind him, but I really learned how to become a tandem player. Uh, you know group of ca- like a couple catchers because you know when you get in a pro ball you're working together I mean yes you're competing for a job but you're also working as a unit more to you know you're gonna need two catchers down the line and so we both work together and from there um, I ended up getting traded the next year to San Marino where it was a up-and-coming team so I got a, a lot more of an opportunity and from there that's where the national team came out watched me I was like having a really good year and uh, and from there, that year was 2003, uh, So that was the Olympic, the European Championship, Olympic qualifier in Amsterdam, and uh, there was no bigger stage to get thrown on the national team than that because everything was on the line, and in um, going in, you know, as the starting catcher, you know, earning my stripes, I earn my I, I earn my chops, and and thrown in the Lions Den, playing with a unbelievable group of guys i'd say half of the team was american italians like myself or venezuelan dominican italians and then the rest the other group of italians were in their prime as well some of the guys that are um just getting out of playing in the italian league right now claudio Livertiani, and mariana carini and um giovanni pantalioni i mean uh it was just an unbelievable team so yeah we went we we beat uh we beat Holland in Holland, and uh, we went and advanced to uh, the Olympics. So it was it was a huge, huge tournament, and uh, to be able to go into Amsterdam and Holland, Harlem, Harlem, Holland, and and beat them at their place uh, to go to the Olympics was was something I'll never forget. And then uh, they we segued that into the 2003 World Cup, Cuba. And so there's another huge stage when you can go to Cuba and play in front of 20,000 screaming Cubans and they're so passionate about their their baseball and, and the level that the Cubans play at and, and to go to a, a communist country like that and to see poverty and to be at the top of your game and, and see that these people who have nothing in to see them working on a field and, and playing for just strictly the love of the game um, and at the level they are, it's just, it's, it was just pretty awe. I was in, I was in awe. And I mean, what does,
0: what does that do for your perspective? It kind of, coming from America, going be able to go to Italy, you're traveling, you know, to different places you're playing. You not that you don't have passion for the game, because obviously you, you did and you still do. But what does that do for your perspective, seeing that kind of a country?
1: Well, you know you it, it's it's so much coming at you because then you you know you're playing professional ball you're getting paid and you see these guys that are way more talented like in the cubans that are playing for nothing yet they're gods they're 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 put on a pedestal but at the end of the day they're getting 50 bucks a month they can't get out of their country they're living in poverty you know they have to escape this 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 and then you get guys on the side you know you're out in practice and you got guys just hitting off the tee that are literally coming from nothing, like no hopes, and all they have is the hope to be able to play in the industrial league in Cuba, um, you know, you you just recognize the simple things in life and how fortunate we are um, as Americans, that, you know, everyday necessities that we have are luxuries in other countries, Uh, that's first and foremost, even in, in Australia, or in Italy, you recognize that, you know, they are definitely simplistic. They're ve- definitely family oriented and they're definitely, you know, work to live instead of, you know, our society's more live to work to, to buy materialistic things. Right. Um, they're out and about just conversating and, and just really enjoying the quality of being able to do what they want on any given night versus the grind that we kinda go through in our country, you know, the routines of capitalism and in and, and you know Well
0: they seem to enjoy the at least I mean, I've been to Milan mm-hmm. uh and, you know I was a, that's a big city. Uh and and I enjoyed my time there. I was I was in Switzerland staying uh in the southern part of Switzerland but to go down there and just to see the way of life that they were doing, even though they were they were busy, there are people you know still in their cafes and just enjoying themselves and not really seem to be in too much of a rush and then you also see anything you know any kind of t v show, and you see the countryside and they're really i mean they enjoy their food, they enjoy the company, they enjoy their family they enjoy they just enjoy life and and we seem to miss the boat over here with that not enjoying everything it's always a hustle it's always a grind it's always the push forward it's always this and i get that aspect of it but then i also understand that whole dude you got to relax a little bit we just never give ourselves the opportunity because we feel like we're going to miss an opportunity it's that fomo thing which somebody brought to my attention a little while ago I'm like, what Fo- what for what yeah fomo fear missing out I'm like, yeah, yeah, I understand that because I have a lot, I have a great deal of that myself. It's when I want to miss something when I need to be enjoying more of when I'm in the atmosphere and in the company of my friends, my family, to enjoy that time and take advantage. And you go over to Italy, so you're away from your family here, but you also have a family, your baseball team, and everything else that you're creating over there.
1: Yeah, it's amazing, like, that's that's the beauty of playing on, on teams and being in a different country or being away from your family that you literally adapt. Like, you know, a big thing was playing with a lot of the Venezuelans and how much of a, I have a heart for what's going on in Venezuela, although I've never been to their country. Um, I totally can can sympathize and empathize with what they're going through because, you know, being able to play with guys over there, you, you become a family on a team just like any other team. But when you're living... Over there, everyone's living over there in a different country, and you got your apartments and on the, you know on the weekends or days that you don't have baseball, you know you get together and you share your culture, um you know us being Americans and Venezuelans, and we're in Italy and um and yeah, the family is key and when you're playing baseball, having that bond, and even with my wife meeting other players' wives and and you're in it together, there's something definitely to be said for that. And uh, being forced to, you know, be on this team to, you know, try to accomplish a common goal. Um, And everyone's in support of the same goals. So you kind of, you know, are forced to, in a way, to get along and to, you know, find the, you know, the good in each other versus, you know, nitpicking and, uh, you know, exposing and exploiting the differences. You're embracing the differences.
0: Dude, the memories that you have being over there with those guys, man. I mean, those, they, those had to be some great times. You had to have gotten yourself into a little bit of trouble.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I look back and, you know, you're over there and you never look back and you reflect as an athlete. You just keep doing, you keep doing, you keep doing. And now, at the end of the day, like, you look back and you're like, you know, 40, I'm about to be 41, and you look back and you say, did I, you know, am I, is, are those 41 years something I, I, I'm proud of? Something that... You know, if I were to die tomorrow, would I would I had regret? Of course I would have had regret. Of course I would have done things differently, but I want to be the person I am today and I wanna've lived the experiences I have today and when you're over there you're like, Oh, I'm definitely gonna come back here, I'm definitely gonna do this again. But a lot of the times you don't realize it, you know, that's once in a lifetime opportunity. Right. You know, and I feel like sometimes I'm gonna be working the rest of my life to get back there just because you know that experience is once in a lifetime and it probably won't be the same experience as it was the first time because i was doing something i loved and right. it didn't feel like work i mean when you can get paid to do something you love it doesn't matter how much you make that's the key to life and i feel like here in america you know we get put in uh, you know on a path to do one thing and one thing only the rest of our life and you know whether we like it or not we get to be 41 or something we're like I can't change who I am I've been doing this and we put ourselves in a position because we we buy things that we don't need to you know to to suffice for jobs that we don't like right. and then we spend the rest of our life paying working a job that we don't like to pay for stuff we no longer want Right. And then that's where mental depression comes in Because we feel like, well, I'm stuck I got kids, I got bills And then, you're right When you do have kids, and when you do have bills And you do have payments that you have responsibilities You don't have the option to get out So, but we, I think we can all minimize And that's what I've been trying to do in my life Trying to minimize um, You know, so it's like, even cleaning out my closet The other day, I'm like, pulling out this, you know Cubs sweater. My wife's like, "Oh, don't get that. It's your cu- favorite Cubs sweater." I'm like, "I got another one." Oh, I pull out a USF sweater. Well, "Don't throw that out. I got another one." I'm like, "Dude, I got two, three of everything. Like, right, yeah. where'd that come from?" You got a collection. And it's just like you, <laughs> we just collect it. So I mean, some advice I could give anybody would be like, clean out your closet. And I think that's where we can create space for abundance in our life is by getting rid of crap that right. we don't. And we look at it and we're like, well, "No, I, I'll, I'll wear this one day." And, and, you know, it, it doesn't – and then you continue to collect and collect and collect. So, man, that was really gratifying. It was really enjoyable to be able to clean out my closet. And I still full. I still right. got a ton of stuff I'll probably never wear. I need and, to do uh, that too, man. I was and to just at my clean it out. And like, Eminem said it is best. Clean out your closet. And that will at least help maybe reflect on all the other stuff you might want to clean Not it. only the closet,
0: i got to clean up the dresser, too.
1: I mean, I that's the like. saying in baseball always is, like, clean it up, man. Clean it up. I mean, you play with some characters that are burning candles on both both ends. Right. And it makes you look back and reflect and be like, maybe I was burning the candle a little bit harder on both ends, too. But it comes with the, it comes with the, the job. And I think if you look at it, any level that you're playing, you know, you're willing to sacrifice – way too much to do something you love and in uh in when it comes to your health i think we need to we need to (laughs) take action because if you lose it physically or you lose it mentally you're going to lose it all
0: but speaking of the materialistic lifestyle and that kind of and and, more like what you were saying more like the american lifestyle what was the was it a decent wage you were getting Yeah, I mean, I would
1: say I was making around a teacher's salary my first year. You got to understand, it was six months a year. You're starting to add up. I mean, when you add up, you're getting your apartment paid for. I got meals. I got a car. You know, you play on the national team. That's double dipping. You got, um, by the time, I only made like 1,000 U.S. my first year, and I was making 4,000 Euro, which is about 5,500 U.S. my last couple of seasons. So, that's about, you know, 30 grand, you know, between Five six months, you're on the national team. Seven, but it was the lifestyle. I mean, I had I had no bills, and I that was the the key. It was like I owned nothing, but I felt like I owned everything <laughs> because I didn't have bills, and I was doing what I wanted when I wanted. I didn't have to work in the off season, although I'd pick up odd end jobs. I'm living in Italy six months a year. I'm living in American in Tampa Bay three months a year, and I'm living in down in Australia where I met my wife in Italy play my off seasons in Australia living, you know, on the water in in, in Perth, Australia. And you're like, man, like you get, you get to reflecting. and be like, are the best days behind me? Right. And, uh, I hope not. I think, really? you know, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. It's totally different, different, you know, but I'm helping. And at the end of the day, when you, when you can live a life like I did, now you want to give back. You want to be able to help the people, you know, help other ball players, uh, in, as well as just people in life, have the same success and experiences you had, and then you want to look back and reflect and say, you know what, you know, to get that life back, I need to to live a little bit less, you know, right. a little bit more frugally and 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 go without a little bit now to get a lot more because it's um it's the lifestyle versus the car you drive and the it's house funny, you live it was,
0: in. Uh, earlier today, I was talking with my son and. You know, I try to get him more into... I was talking with one of my guests yesterday about... Uh, he has two daughters, and we were talking about entrepreneurship and trying to get the kids involved in that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I talked to my my son about entrepreneurship, making money. Yep, there he is. And um, it, it, earlier today, he was, like, you know, talking about something to the effect of being a multimillionaire. You know, why you want to be a multimillionaire. My... Uh, how he perceives it. And it's not that I don't. I do. I won't lie about that. Um, but it's not just about that. And I told him it's for freedom. I want freedom. Yeah. I don't want just to have a bunch of money just to go and buy things. That's not what this is about. This is about the freedom to do whatever, whenever, however, and, and live not above my means, but to be comfortable where I can... um support him, you know, live comfortably, but not spoil him where he feels entitled, you know, nothing like that. So it was just an interesting conversation with a seven year old boy asking, you know, his dad of, of, of money and teaching him the right way. Like you don't have to be, you know, stuck in the nine to five. And that's what I like about the entrepreneurial track and and trying to teach him, um, more along the lines of that path. Is is do whatever you want to make yourself happy, live the life, you know, live Vinnie's life that you had, you know, over in in Italy. It's like you you making a teacher's salary, which all in all, as we you know we've joked before, is not much, but you you were living the dream, you know. You know certainly, you were travel You were in Italy, then you wind up in Australia, you know, come back to the U.S. and all. I mean, that's for most people, that is most definitely living the dream, and you were by no means a multimillionaire. You know?
1: I think it gets back to doing what you love, what doing what makes you happy. You know, I think the key is to be able to get up every day and to be grateful for what you have, grateful for what you're doing, understand that if you're not happy doing what you're doing that you have 100% control of your life and you're get one life to live and you better do it right because if you if you don't, you know, you only get one life to live.
0: It's yours to do whatever you want to with that. That's the bottom line right there. How did you? And I want to ask you, how did you get to Australia?
1: So, 2003, I met my wife. She was. Uh, it's crazy with her. We talk about fate and meeting the, the true soulmate. She's a true soulmate. Um, we're both catchers. She's a middle child. I'm a middle child. She's got an older brother. I got an older sister. She's got a younger sister. I got a younger brother. If you look at a globe. Tampa, Florida and Perth Australia are the polar opposites. So you talk about wanting to be able to have a life that you love, but more importantly, having someone to share it with. I think that is the true um, experience that you know made my whole experience like I met her my second year in, in San Marino sitting between my two mates from Australia. And I'm like, oh my God, if she can survive a night between these two guys, right. I might no, have a chance. Right, right. And uh, luckily she did. And uh, we, we we just kicked it off. It was amazing. And uh, the year before, I played with Australians. And um, my dad's like, get to know them because their summer is our winter. You can go play winter ball over there. So I got to know them. I got, my, I got that sorted. And I ended up, in 2002, I was living right by my wife and uh, I never met her in Perth. And then uh, I overstayed my visa. So I was banned from their country for three years. Get out and literally two months later, I met my wife. I had a flight to go back to Australia, which I couldn't take because I was banned from the country. And then uh, two years later, I ended up marrying her, and they lifted the ban because her dad's got some kind of illness that uh, he couldn't travel. And then uh, they're like, okay, 90 days from today, you got to get out of the country. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got, I got it. I got it. I got it this time. I got it this time. And now, um, but yeah, non- non-criminal activity, non-criminal. You have to my visa. I was about to leave on my Italian. I came in my American. I was about to leave. And then my buddy Tonky was like, nah, don't do that, mate. You're, you're pretty much screwed anyways. And so, uh, and so, yeah, I, I met her in 03 and, uh, we got married in 05 down in, um, down in Perth or South of Perth. And, um, and I, we just traveled the world. Doing what we loved and sharing these experiences and going all over the United States, Vegas, Hawaii, Chicago, um, and then back to Australia in our off season. I'd catch the end of their season, which would be like spring training for mine, for me. And then I'd jump right into the spring um, in us in Italy, and we'd be banging it out there for six months and living the dream. And um, I think if you can do what you love, you know the money will follow, and the love that you look for in a relationship will follow as long as you're doing the right thing um aligning you know your happiness with your mind your body your soul you end up finding your soulmate so that was that was probably the greatest achievement um next to the olympics my wife was definitely my gold medal so
0: so now moving forward in your life what is the craziest most outrageous thing that you do want to achieve
1: <laughs> um you know we got the cafe going here Kane's cafe and corner store corner of delaware and alt 19 where every day we enjoy the daily grind and it is it's about enjoying the daily grind about getting up every day and enjoying something uh you know what you love so you know the podcast thing that we're doing right now i'd like to you know really get on that get some get some other amazing people on it um you have an unbelievable story you know battling cancer beating cancer so I think that's something we can we can definitely jump into and in some more podcasts. I got a lot of you know living around here and playing the game of baseball. As long as I did, I was I never played in the big leagues, but I played with and against a lot of former big leaguers. And to this day, I, I'm associated with a lot of big leaguers. So their stories are amazing. Um, so I'd love to get them on um, and get their story out there because we all have our own adversities that we're going through, and um, you know we all have our, our, our problems in life. So I think um you know, we think that, you know, once we arrived, you know, once we become this, we arrive and we no longer have to work and we can just sit back and enjoy the fruits of our labor, but that's not what life's about. It's about, you know, um you know, providing value not only to your, your life but to other people's lives. So that that's the goal.
0: So what's your secret talent?
1: Talking. I'm a talker. I'm a talker. If you haven't heard, I'm a talker. Um, uh, I love conversation. I love to be able to help people overcome their their adversity. You know, I, I always uh, kind of migrate to the, the 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 student that's not studious. I see myself. I I, I feel like I'm. I've been institutionalized. we become institutionalized. So I was told at an early age, if you don't have education, you're not going to be successful. And so I constantly got an education, more education. I have a master's degree in athletic administration and coaching. And ironically, I'm a teacher now. So I'm still in education. So that is pretty much the definition of institutionalization. And so here I am.
0: So if you had someone to narrate your life, who would you want to be the narrator?
1: Oh, God, narrate my life. Um, Kevin Costner, he's the money. Baseball guy, you know, Tin Cup, freaking Crash Davis. He's a guy that uh, I think he's he's a guy that any athlete, uh, especially a baseball player, catcher, you know, can relate to. And uh, I think he can relate to my life as well.
0: True. What makes you roll your eyes every time you hear it? Hear what? Whatever. What makes you roll your eyes?
1: What makes me roll my eyes every time? You hear uh, complaining, it is. complaining. May God, like you have no control over it. So if you have no control over it, you shouldn't complain. And if you have control over it, you shouldn't complain. You should do something about it. So uh, don't complain. That's the first sign of a loser. I got no time for it, and I got no time to be around any kind of negativity like that.
0: What's the? This is a good one for you. That I. That I. When I. When I was coming up with these questions, I. Uh, I was like, I gotta, I definitely have to ask Vinny this one. Uh, what's the funniest thing you've done or had to happen while your mind was wandering?
1: Oh my God! What's the funniest thing that while my mind, my mind's always wandering. If you talk to it's anyone, the funniest everyone you've
0: done or had to happen to you while your mind was. Wandering oh, is, funny is, that are Always like, dude, I'm ADD. I'm this. My mind's going over here. My mind's going over there.
1: I honestly am drawing a blank. The funniest thing that has happened while my mind.
0: You're just off in your own world, and all of a sudden something happens. I'm always in my own world. how did I not see that? Or how did that happen? Where was I?
1: (laughs) That's every given day. Like, uh, I suffer from dementia, Alzheimer's. I'll ask (laughs) someone something, and I won't listen to the answer. Um, You know, I'm obviously with the new cafe. I'm constantly asking people's names, and I'm just like, oh, God, what was their name again? Literally two seconds after I just asked it so um but the funniest thing oh my god i can't even think i can't think that far back
0: <laughs> it's already it's already happened to you man look at that add struck you're like i don't know what was the question
1: that's a tough one
0: good that's what i wanted it to be i'll try to finish it up with this one what would the adult version of an ice cream truck sell and what song would it be playing
1: oh god the adult version of an ice cream truck would be selling I don't know oh uh, my lord probably some kind of alcoholic beverage an adult beverage and some kind of uh, sex toy I don't know uh, girls um, um, and the song would be played uh, is it the thong song
0: it's your, ice, it's, it's your adult version of ice cream. Oh, uh, I mean, no. My adult
1: song. version of an ice cream, Chuck. Uh, yeah, Beastie that Boy would be it. Beastie Boys playing. I do like my Beastie Boys, I boys now. have Beastie Boys playing. My Beastie French Boys. Grass monkey. That would fit. I'd probably be having it sell meat pies and sausage rolls and uh, cappuccinos and uh, frappes. And, uh, yeah.
0: Awesome. We're going to wrap this thing up, man. It's awesome having you on. I'm glad we got this one through fully. It's gonna sound great. It's gonna be good. I'm looking forward to starting a podcast with you. So whenever we get a chance to get together and, and discuss a little more, I think we're gonna knock it out of the park, man.
1: It is on like Donkey Kong. Let's do this. appreciate you coming Thank on, you guys for tuning in. Uh we'll get this sorted so I'll advertise this some more. We're gonna tune into my podcast. We'll get some awesome celebs on this. So everybody who tuned in, I appreciate it.
0: Awesome.